Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Free For All. This is your host, Big John, and tonight's episode will be a solo effort on my part as I put across some thoughts that are on the top of my mind, which, of course, doesn't mean much to anybody other than myself. But hopefully you'll find my ruminations to be of interest to you as well. Tonight, uh, let me remind you that this episode of Free For All can be found on grumblingsmedia.com grumblingsmedia.com, or you can catch us on all our social platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Gab, Truth Social, Rumble, anywhere basically that you can find podcasts and show video shows, you'll be able to find us. And our handle everywhere is at Grumblings Media. Okay, so let's get right to it. Uh, in recent days, I was doing my usual bit on Twitter, keeping up on the news and the chatter and the goings-on of things that are political or things related specifically to libertarians. And uh, one of the things that caught my interest is that there seems to be this feud, this simmering feud between factions within the libertarian party uh, politically. Now, uh, the two factions that I'm thinking of are the, the Mises Caucus, which is uh, the faction that actually had won basically all the leadership uh, slots of the Na uh, Libertarian Party National, and the Classic Liberal Caucus. Uh, now, the Classical Liberal Caucus are libertarians who don't view themselves mainly as anarchists or ANCAPs the way the Mises folks do, uh, but instead view themselves more as the minarchist type. Uh, the more Milton Friedman uh, libertarian thought, uh, school of thought. So while definitely in my book, both factions are definitely libertarians, there is some infighting going on. And I don't mean that in a nasty way. I just mean it's the natural outcome of when your party starts to grow, you have these little factions, right? What is a real libertarian? And you could accuse each other of not being, quote, real libertarians. But in fact, they're both libertarians. But I noticed that there was some back and forth uh, going f going on in the past week or so that caught my attention. And uh, let me see if I could uh, share uh, what's going on here in terms of what I actually saw. So uh, as I fumble around with uh, my screen sharing here. Okay. Here we have a tweet from Jonathan Casey. Jonathan is a, I believe, one of the two co-founders of the Classic Liberal Caucus, along with Joshua Eckel, uh, who has uh, appeared on this program. And um, he posted something very interesting on January 7th. Uh, he says, the Mises elected uh, LPCA, uh, their chair, Adrian Malagon, is using party resources to platform a POTUS candidate that is running against LP candidates. He, uh, Casey also makes the allegation that, using, that Adrian is using his authority to keep some LP candidates from participating. Uh, and he's giving special treatment to some LP POTUS candidates 
rather uh, than others. He further goes on, and he, you can see he did a screenshot of the letter, of the email he sent Adrian, uh, and then followed up that tweet with, um, it's bad enough to use party resources to promote an opposing candidate, in this case, uh, RFK Jr. Uh, it's even worse when the party resources are rigged against our own candidates. Now, in saying that, Adrian Malagon is someone who has also appeared on this program, and I find uh, Adrian to be a, a perfect gentleman and perfectly nice to me. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, the show that Adrian was on, I also had on Joshua Eckel, who's a partner of Jonathan Casey, who we just saw his tweet. And both of them, to me, appeared to be perfect gentlemen. Uh, the, it was a civil discourse. You could check it out. Uh, it was... Um, an episode where we discussed the then uh, announced and uh, declared candidates for the LP nomination for president. Uh, I found it to be a very enlightening, very civilized discourse. So uh, I was a little shocked to see that you had this troika sort of sniping at each other on Twitter between Adrian, uh, Jonathan Casey, and Josh Eckel. Uh, because again, I know all three of these guys. I'm not saying uh, we've had uh, dinner at each other's homes or anything, but on a professional level, I've dealt with all all of them, and all of them seem like perfect gentlemen when dealing with me. So, I decided to reach out uh, to both of them, meaning Adrian and uh, Jonathan and Josh, and I sent them an, uh, an email. Uh, and let me see if I could grab that here for you guys as well. All right, let's bring that up. And you could see that I sent them an email basically saying, hey, Adrian, Joshua, uh, there's been a lot of sniping. There's been a lot of back and forth going on on Twitter. Why don't we all get together on my show uh, and let's let's talk about this. Let's hash it out. Uh, let's Let's discuss what's at play here. You guys both know me. You know I'm not going to cut you off. You know I'm not here for the sound bites. Why don't we come on and have a discussion? If you want to call it a debate, let's have a debate. Uh, and I kind of sign off by saying, let's live up to our shared libertarian ideal of using persuasion to convince others of our views and opinions. And I sent that out, as I said, to all three of the parties involved. And I was trying to just foster some discussion to get rid of and, and throw some transparency into the issue, to be honest with you. All right. Now, full disclosure, while I am perfectly, uh, friendly with a lot of uh, people in the Mises caucus. Uh, I, I've, I've uh, corresponded with a lot of them. I've also interviewed a lot of them, both on this show and on my sister show, The Big Questions with Big John. Uh, and, and listen, anarchists and ANCAPs, I find common ground with like 80% of what they have to say, 90% of what they have to say. Personally, I'm a minarchist. Like if, if, if I had to pick one camp, I'd probably fall into the classical liberal caucus because that's just my way of rolling. I, I'd like to see a minarchist state. I don't think we can get away with the state entirely, but I want to see it reduced to the bare minimums. Where And, and that aligns more in transparency with Josh and Jonathan in this case, as opposed to uh, Adrian's solution, and Adrian is a self-described anarchist. Again, I, I agree with 90% of what they have to say. I just don't believe necessarily in uh, that there should be no government at all. 
and there's no need to get into the philosopher. I'd be happy to, if someone wants to either uh, comment in the YouTube or rumble section or, or engage me on Twitter, more than happy uh, to discuss my position and my feelings about that. But for the purposes of what we're talking about, I was offering them like a space where they could come on and hash things out, uh, hopefully hash things out. Well, a uh, little did I know that uh, my invitation sort of kind of triggered uh, an even bigger wave of animosity between the parties. Uh, Adrian replied to my email, to my invitation saying, hey, I'm more than willing to come on. Uh, I don't think we'll find any common ground. I'm paraphrasing. And uh, I'm happy to come on, John. You know, you treated me fairly before. I have no reason to believe you wouldn't treat me fairly again. Reached out to Jonathan and Joshua, and uh, they both declined to come on the show, again, in full transparency. And their position was, Adrian is not a serious person. Uh, he's really, uh, to use their words, uh, sort of childish and he resorts to uh ad hominem attacks and i don't we don't see any reason to come on and debate him again this led to more twitter war, twitter war where even though i wasn't named uh i can i can tell you that uh adrian uh, was referring to me in this tweet uh responding saying I was never trying to debate you, meaning Jonathan and Joshua. I accepted a good faith invitation from a nice man. That would be me. Thank you for calling me nice, Adrian. I appreciate it. Uh, most everything you say is disingenuous, shit-laced tripe. That's why I don't like or respect you, let alone owe you anything. And um, uh, you could see where Adrian sort of screen-capped the communications going back and forth with me where he says, Hey, John, blah, blah, blah. And this was in response to Jonathan uh, Casey tweeting out, Hey, Adrian Malagon, instead of trying to quote debate me, why don't you answer the questions? Uh, the liberal, uh, the classical liberal caucus members want answers to. And in fact, Jonathan uh, kind of quotes, uh, uh, he kind of took a screen cap of the response he sent to me and Adrian, uh, what, after I sent them the invitation, uh, and you can read it there, Adrian has been nothing but evasive and has refused to answer questions. I see little point in a, in a debate when all I want are simple answers, but I thank you for the well-meaning offer. And then he reiterates the questions which are, at, you know, at issue here, saying, um, what date was each of the major campaigns, meaning Chase Oliver, Mike Termod, Lars Mapstead, uh, Joshua Smith, Mike Rechtenwald, and Jacob Hornberger informed of the $5,000 price to participate in the panel. Uh, what was the date of the price reduction to $3,000? Whose decision was it? What was the reason? Uh, was each major campaign informed of the reduction to three k What price is each of the campaigns that have accepted, meaning uh, Mike Termott and Mike Rechtenwald, who have decided to be on the presidential panel, at the uh, LP California convention in March? And uh, how much is RFK Jr. paying or being paid to participate in the panel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the issue of RFK uh, is kind of uh, important here. It's not something to be glossed over. Now, 
Uh, I'm not going to pretend that uh, I know the answers to the questions that Casey was uh, putting out there. Uh, and I don't want to uh, speak on behalf of uh, the LP California or Adrian specifically, but this kind of highlights uh, the tensions for me that are currently or have been going on since the Mises takeover of the Libertarian uh, National Party. Um, personally, I've been um, critical of the Mises uh, leadership. Again, not of individuals necessarily. Uh, for example, when I speak to Spike Cohen, I spoke to him, I interviewed wonderful guy. He showed a, a great, a great intelligence and, 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 and class and restraint when answering my stupid questions on my show. Um, and from what I could tell, he's willing to engage with anybody who considers themselves a libertarian, whether they're part of the Mises group and Spike considers himself part of that, uh, uh, caucus, um, he has no, I have no issues with him, but I have issues with the approach the Mises folks have taken uh, with the party. Now, uh, when you see the classical liberal caucus, you know, they point out the failings of the Mises caucus. For example, membership is down since the takeover. Uh, donations are down since the takeover. Uh, but even that I can ascribe to either uh, a political shift of political winds and, and, and look, you try a new strategy, it fails. You have to be prepared for the fact that it may not have be as successful as before. Realistically speaking, you know, I've been, I've been a marketer for most of my life. You know, sometimes you have an idea, you try it, you do the research as best you can. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but you have to be prepared to accept the fact that it didn't work out that you haven't reached your KPIs as you discussed and you say, okay, let's move on. We tried it. It failed. Let's admit our failure. Let's move on. But of course what's happening now, uh, the Mises leadership is leading and they're not completely transparent. Angela McArdle, she is someone I have a problem with because, um, unlike Adrian, who, when I reached out to him, he engaged me, he was very polite. Uh, we have disagreements on our libertarian philosophies, as I mentioned, but we've always been civil to each other. Uh, and I have nothing but nice things to say about Adrian, as I do about Jonathan and, and Joshua in this particular case. But Andrea McCarl is someone I do criticize. Uh, and one of my biggest criticisms is that she runs the Libertarian Party, the National Party, uh, as if it were the minor leagues for Donald Trump and the Republicans and the right wingers. And it strikes me as strange that she is so lockstep with the MAGAites and the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and all these things. And if I'm wrong, please let me know how I'm wrong. Uh, her response to my tweeting at her uh, was to block me. Now, I don't know how you can necessarily be the chair of the third largest uh, political party in the United States and decide you're going to block people who are asking questions. Uh, it, it, it seems not to be the way to go. Even if she hated me personally, even if she thought my remarks were uncalled for or unfounded, which I always, which I can't think would be the case, right? Because 
for those familiar with Mises messaging, it's very aggressive. Um, it's very troll-like. Uh, again, whether you find that to be a plus or a minus, I, I my partner here at Grumblings Media, Willem Del Pilar, has told me, like, I, I like the Mises Caucus because they're bold. Their messaging is different from whatever failed policies you had, you know. And for those that have a very black and white sort of view on the world, former leadership prior to the Mises Caucus wasn't winning elections. They weren't making a dent. So, you know, we could argue back and forth why that was. But if new leadership comes in and says, hey, why keep trying something that doesn't work. That is almost like the definition of insanity, according to Einstein, right? Why you, you keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. So, okay, shake things up. I get it. Um, but the messaging, especially on, on a platform like Twitter, which is very conducive to trolls, obviously it's what it's where Trump made his bones before he got kicked off and moved to truth social. Right. Um, you see that the, the Mises folks have a very aggressive, in-your-face, troll-like approach to messaging. Uh, you know, great. Maybe you thought it would attract a younger crowd. Maybe you were trying to capture some sort of zeitgeist, lightning in a bottle, whatever. Clearly, it's failing, though. Membership is down. Uh, donations are down. Uh, and it's getting largely negative reaction, this, this strategy from everyone outside of the Mises caucus itself, right? So, uh, and perhaps, uh, you know, trying to be funny or sarcastic or whatever, I tend to to categorize Andrea McArdle and her ilk as the Mises kids because they always struck me as like these college-age kids, and I'm not saying that's how old they actually are, but the behavior strikes me of college kids who, not having ventured out into the world, think that their little environment has prepared them for everything that they need to know and everything they need to do in life. And, you know, when you, when you send out uh, tweets that to me dog whistle to the MAGA and to the far right and to the alt right and to the nationalist movement, um, I think that's a mistake. You're helping those idiots legitimize their hatred and their nonsense by giving them cover and saying, no, we're not Nazis. We're not national, ultra-nationalists. We don't hate Arabs. We don't hate Jews. Um, and even if we did, so what? We're libertarians. We believe in free speech. Uh, we're libertarians. Uh, you know, there shouldn't be any, uh, any sort of uh, codified plank against racism because really free speech trumps racism. Now you have to understand how disingenuous this is because if you take their statements in isolation, I would agree with them. I would say like as despicable as I find racism to be, I would not allow sensitivities about the subject to curtail free speech. You're absolutely right about that. I would agree with that a hundred percent. The difference is, though, that I would also say, well, they have a perfect right to spout their alt-right, far-right, Reuper, Proud Boy, Oath Keeper bullshit. Here's the, here's the thing. I will stand up and speak out against them, right? I can defend their right to, to speak their nonsense while at the same time saying, we have nothing to do with these people. 
and we denounce everything they have to say. I don't see a lot of that coming out of the out of Andrew McCardle and her and her leadership flunkies, right? And again, even if you even if you say, well, you know, she shook things up, the, the leadership shook things up. So they tried something. Okay, they tried something. It's not working. Because your bottom line is, are you growing the party? Are you making the party more financially stable? Have you grown their their treasury? The answer is no to all of that. Then you have these little scandals that keep get, popping up. The leaked, quote, leaked memo that came out, uh, what was it, about six, seven months ago, where leadership is saying, hey, our strategy is going to fail. This takeover is failing. Right now it's a failure. You have all the allegations, rumors swirling around uh, inappropriate uh, uh, employment situations between McCardle and uh, a companion of hers being hired along. Okay? Allegations. I don't know what happened. Okay? But you got to address these things. And when people come and start asking you questions, you're the head of a political party. You can't tell them to F off. You can't tell them it's none of their business. You can't randomly block people looking for answers. And I emphasize you're blocking other libertarians who are looking for answers. You're not, you're not even blocking some rando who's coming up to you, giving you crap and being a troll, which by the way, happens to be your preferred form of messaging. Right? And that's the problem that's going right on right now. Like, I, so you've got old guys like me, old farts, boomers, call me whatever you want. But you've got, got guys like me who have been following libertarian philosophy, have been involved in, not involved in libertarian politics, but following libertarian politics, who long ago gave up on the duopoly, on the statist approach to things. And I wouldn't even mind if you thought I was irrelevant, but to just pretend as if we haven't had an experience in these matters that we haven't seen some shit that we don't have legitimate opinions and to just dismiss them is really not the way to run a party that's trying to grow. That's the way you run a cult. That's the way you run a religion. That's the way you run a private little club just for your own sort of ego embellishment. You don't just say, no, you get to know nothing. Like, think about that position. Like, why don't we know uh, about McCardle's uh, 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 dealing with her as a boyfriend, husband, I'm not sure, and hiring him on as a consultant? Why, aren't, why isn't that addressed? Why don't we know about, literally get some real numbers, official numbers around LP membership, around the LP treasury? Like, there shouldn't have to be the equivalent of uh, a 60 Minutes uh, journalistic investigation to figure all this stuff out, especially from a party that is of the opinion that something like the FBI shouldn't exist, the CIA shouldn't exist, right? That these secretive alphabet soup agencies should not exist in, uh, and should not be part of government. We should not have domestic spying. There shouldn't be any secrets by the government from the people, right? This is a basic libertarian position. And yet when it comes to our own party, there is no transparency, no real transparency. Okay. 
So to me, that's an issue. And that's an issue that's not going away anytime soon. And I don't know if it's a matter of, well, the Mises caucus needs to get a better chair in there. Maybe it's just Angela McCardle that isn't living up to expectations. Maybe. Uh, maybe it's that the Mises caucus is sort of, I don't know, maybe they're embarrassed by their performance, which quite honestly, I could live with. I could live with, hey, we tried this. It doesn't work. Somewhere in our minds, we thought trolling Megan McCain uh, with uh, making reference to her father's war crimes and whatever and, and being uh, unusually aggressive messaging her, maybe we thought that would work. Right. Maybe we thought it would be funny uh, making references to right wing nationalistic nonsense in the LPNH tweets. OK, maybe they thought that was it. I mean, look, you've already lost two state affiliates over your uh, over the LP nationals messaging behavior and treatment. You've got others that are constantly complaining about not getting any support and help. And then worst of all, the LP national right now. And again, McCardle is the face of this, whether it was a group decision or her on her own, I don't know, but she is the face of this. When you start seeing tweets that are asking for help to get Donald Trump back on the ballot in Colorado, what is going on here? Why is the head of the LP National out begging for resources for Donald Trump? Hey, I got news for you. The Republican Party doesn't need whatever dimes the Libertarian Party has in its pocket in order to get Trump reinstated on the ballot. And first of all, I'm not sure you could get everyone in the National Party to agree that he should be reinstated, that he wasn't part of an insurrection, that he isn't an, an, uh, like an unmitigated douchebag that shouldn't be running for president. But assuming you had consensus that we need Donald Trump to that he's innocent and he deserves his right. Hey, don't you have more pressing issues? Why aren't you working on getting Larry Sharp back on the ballot in New York? He got kicked off the ballot simply because he's a libertarian. And any libertarian in New York State, despite having a significant minority uh, percentage of people who vote libertarian, why aren't you worried about the disenfranchisement of those libertarians, of your party, in a major state like New York. Why aren't you worried about that? Now, you might be worried about that, but I don't see that. I've seen tweets about helping Donald Trump get back on the ballot in Colorado. Why is that? I don't get it. Why is Vivek Ramaswamy listed as a candidate in the Libertarian caucuses in Iowa? Why are you praising single-issue candidates that align with libertarians and ignore the kind... Why is RFK on the presidential panel, the nominee, uh, presidential nominee panel for the California LP convention? The largest state LP uh, state party is in California. Why is, why is RFK Jr. on that? For what reason? Because he's so crazy anti-vax? Cause he's an anti-vax grifter and we want to put him on the panel. Okay. Put him on the panel. That's fine. But what, but why don't you have the other candidates on the panel? Right. We've got decent, good candidates. Like to me, this is probably the strongest field of libertarian presidential candidates that we've seen in a long time. Chase Oliver, Mike Termott, Jacob Hornberger, Lars Mapstead. 
Mike Rechtenwald. And it's all flavors of candidates in there, right? So if, if you're an ANCAP, you've got your Mike Rechtenwald in there, right? You've got uh, Joshua Smith in there. If you're a minarchist, you've got Mike Termott. You've got Chase Oliver. And these are professional-looking candidates. No more uh, Vermin Supremes. No more John McAfee's in that group. Okay? These are people that don't turn your party into a joke. These are legitimate, professional. They, they, they pass the eye test when it comes to being solid presidential candidates. And yet you're worried about getting Donald Trump reinstated in Colorado. This should not even be a speck of a thought in the LP chair's mind, in my opinion. So, so tell me, like, when I question you on that, I get blocked. When I refer to you as Mises kids, because you seem to be more interested in troll-like tweets than actually working on what should be, what should be your top concern as the national party. Your top concern should be ballot access in all 50 states. That should be your main concern. Okay? Not trying to support Vivek Ramaswamy and saying, oh man, he's super good uh, when it comes to uh, vaccines. Oh, did you see the way he pwned CNN? Who cares? Why is that of any interest to the chair of the LP? I'm trying to figure it out. I can't for the life of me. I mean, it's not the casual swipe at, a, at, at one of the uh, candidates of the duopoly. Okay? Hey, yeah, yeah. No, I, listen, before, I can see it right now. Are, do you have TDS, Big John? Do you, do you hate Donald Trump with a passion? Yes, I do. That, I admit that freely. I've seen the guy for the last 40, 45 years growing up in New York, living in New York, growing up not too far from where he was born in Queens. I see it all, okay? I've seen it with him. He is He's someone who walked around proudly for years, calling himself just a Democrat from Queens, until he realized, hey, all the rubes are now in the Republican Party, so I'm going to appeal to them, Okay? So, yeah, do, do I think Donald Trump is nothing more than a populist? He, he, like, he couldn't address economic issues if his life depended on it, okay? He just has these little bubble points. He takes a poll every month and he says, okay, what are people? Oh, oh they want the vaccine? Great, I'll speed the vaccine through. Oh, wait, they're against the war in Ukraine? I'm against that too. Wait, they hate Arabs? I'm going to bomb Yemen. You know, I mean... He is literally just whatever the polls tell him to do, that's what he does. He has no core beliefs. He couldn't explain any of the principles of libertarianism. So don't bother referring to him as a libertarian candidate, libertarianish candidate. Okay? Forget Donald Trump. If you're Angela McCarter, why are you worried about Donald Trump? Why are you worried about uh, helping uh, Trump. I don't get it. I don't understand. Why are you why are you friendly with Groypers? Why are you friendly with uh Oath Keepers? Why are you friendly with with Proud Boys? I you know, and and please stop with the let's court one issue politicians. Let's stop with that, okay? Like Tulsi Gabbard is not a libertarian. Can we please stop pretending like she is? And oh my God, wouldn't it be wonderful if she joined us, if she ran uh, as under our tape? Why? She's good on anti-war. Everything else, she's a freaking socialist. Why would any libertarian consider Tulsi Gabbard one of us? Why would any libertarian think Donald Trump has any sort of 
connection to libertarianism. He doesn't. All he knows is that in swing states that he lost to Biden, the libertarian vote beat the spread between him and Biden. And as soon as he lost the 2020 election, and he lost it, you know, ladies and gentlemen, he lost it. Don't, you know, I also hate libertarians who buy into this nonsense that the election was stolen from Trump. It wasn't stolen from him. He lost. He tried to prevent the transfer of power. And he got caught. Right. He literally should be sitting in some jail somewhere. I'm not sure how you work, how you work the cases that he ends up in jail, whether it was a RICO case or a straight out uh, insurrection, according to the Constitution, whatever. He does not even deserve to be running. But let's for whatever reason, we think he should be running. But why? Why are you considering a libertarian? All Trump is interested in is infiltrating enough of the libertarian state parties. And local county parties to take over those parties. So that they go for Trump, okay? That they don't go for Biden and they don't go for the libertarian candidate. That's why you see Vivek Ramaswamy getting 5%, 4.5%, of the libertarian caucus vote in Iowa. What's he even doing on the ticket? Why, why is he even being considered a libertarian? And by the way, right after the Iowa caucus, oh, he's back on Team Trump, boy. Couldn't wait to go back to his master. Okay, which I warned about. This guy does nothing. He's baby Trump. He's running for a position in the Trump cabinet, maybe to be his VP. And what what do we do in the meantime? Let's run him through the libertarian Twitter. Let's run him through libertarian Facebook and wherever else, Rumble, YouTube. And we'll paint him as the Republican who's libertarian-ish who's running. The same way we like to pretend that Rand Paul is somehow libertarian after being on Trump, up Trump's butt for the last four or five years. You can't be a libertarian and support Trump. You might be able to support one or two of his issues. But if you're a libertarian that says Trump wasn't that bad, you're not a libertarian. I'm sorry. Even though I said earlier, I don't, I don't have litmus tests for libertarians. That's my litmus test. If you so outwardly support a statist like Trump, an authoritarian like Trump, you are not a libertarian. So let's stop with the supporting candidates who match up or align with the Libertarian Party on one issue. And with RFK, it's even more ridiculous because he is he's he is from a long line of big government status. He's a, from a long line of borderline socialists. OK, and why do you think he's libertarian at all? Because he's anti-vax, because he was anti-COVID vax. Let me tell you something else he was against, too. Just regular vaccines, MMR vaccines, because he is still under the ridiculous notion that MMR vaccines cause autism. They don't. They they do not. And all he does is he he runs the grift that he is anti-vaccine. Watch his law firm rake in millions, folks. Okay. Before that, he was a borderline failure as a lawyer. His law firm jumps on the hoax, the grift of of uh, vaccine harm way before COVID even struck, and all of a sudden, his, his, he, oh, he's a public advocate. Law firm rakes in the money, okay? Funny, we'll, we'll ask to follow the money when it comes to just, the, hey, pharma suck, follow the money. That's why they did the vaccine, right? Follow the money. Nobody ever says follow the money when it comes to the grift of RFK. And it's a dangerous grift because he's, he's leading people to believe falsely that they shouldn't vaccinate their kids for MMR. But let's have him on. Why, why is he a libertarian? He's not a libertarian. See, being anti-government doesn't 
isn't necessarily mean that all government action is a conspiracy, that all government action is bad. And I, and I think this is something that's lost among the younger generation of libertarians. Hey, your beloved Ron Paul ran as a Republican for all those terms in Congress. Your beloved Ron Paul did not willfully get out of Congress. He was basically a lifer. Now, again, this is not to crap on Ron Paul. But what I'm saying is, please understand the irony of what you're saying. For most people who came of age and became libertarians when Ron, when Ron Paul was running for president, that's awesome. Glad to have you on the fold. And listen, the low, overwhelming majority of, of, of the kids and the people who came on board and became libertarians thanks to the Ron Paul revolution, they took it seriously. They studied. They, you know, whether they became uh, ANCAPs, whether they became minarchists, it doesn't matter. They, they, you know, they took it seriously. You look at Dave Smith, super well-read guy, okay? I, there's no way I could ever accuse him of coming up short on his, on his base libertarian understanding and his philosophy and nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with him. Like Dave Smith. And as a comedian, I like Dave Smith too. But there's a whole lot of people who came on board with Ron Paul who are like, yeah, government sucks, tear it down, like Ron Paul said. Guess what? Ron Paul was part of that government for more than a term, for more than two terms. He was a lifer. He was, he, he was no different than Nancy Pelosi. He was no different than Strom Thurmond, who, who basically spent, you know, what was it, half a century in Congress? Right. So so please take it with a grain of salt. You can't just jump on everything and be a one issue guy and then just uh, uh, just assume that anybody who parrots that one issue isn't doing so simply to get your vote. Because eventually what's going to happen and, and if it's already happened, but what you're going to hear is this is the most important election in history. Don't throw away your vote by voting for a third party. Don't waste your vote by going third party. But if you're a libertarian, guess who aligns the most with you? Hmm, Donald Trump. No, that's not the case. Donald Trump is horrible on economics. He's horrible on the issue of liberty. He's horrible um, when it comes to immigration. He's horrible when it comes to um, the government, uh, powers of the government. He's a... Uh, there hasn't been a person born in this country who's more a fan of eminent domain than Donald Trump. Okay. And he's like, he's basically a scumbag, a walking scumbag. So when you put it all together, why would any libertarian choose to promote Donald Trump? Why would any chair of the libertarian party choose to waste resources and beg for resources to help Donald Trump and especially to do so ahead of her own candidates? I mean, we all know what happened last year. The Blake Masters fiasco. Why, why, why weren't you supporting the Libertarian candidate in that race? What did you get in return when, when, um, when the Libertarian candidate dropped out of the race? Supposedly, supposedly, an agreement was made to throw support behind Blake. Why? What did we? What did the Libertarian get out of it? Let's let's find out. When William Weld, prior to the Mises takeover, when uh, William Weld ran as on the ticket with Gary Johnson, 
uh, a lot of us, myself included, said, what the hell is William Weld doing on this ticket? Like, I mean, he's old school uh, Rockefeller Republican. He's a liberal Republican. What the hell is he doing on our ticket? And I was very, very, very disenfranchised by that move, even though I love Gary Johnson as, as, a, as a candidate, as a minarchist candidate. Uh, I'm sure it didn't make the ANCAP happy. I'm sure it didn't make the Mises folks happy. But all right, Gary Johnson should have been Larry and Gary, right? Gary Johnson, Larry Sharp should have been that ticket. But we got William Weld. Why? Hey, Spike Cohen explained it to me. I didn't agree with it, but at least it makes sense to me. William Weld brought money. He filled the coffers of the Libertarian Party. Okay? He got donations into the party. So if you're telling me that William Weld got that VP slot simply because he was able to, to fundraise effectively for the Libertarian Party, I may not agree with that, but it makes sense to me. It's logical. We need money to grow. This dude is offering to bring in money for that we could put towards supporting local candidates, that we could put towards supporting ballot access down the road. Okay, let's put him on the ticket for that reason. What's the reason for supporting Trump? He doesn't give two shits about the Libertarian Party down the road. He doesn't want to see us grow. He has no philosophical kinship with the uh, Libertarian Party. Why, why, why would you, why would you go out of your way to attract alt-right and, and, and far-right nationalists, right? Why would you do that? You can't claim that it's to grow the party because at the same time, why don't you, why don't you go out and try to draw in the far lefties? I don't understand. Why don't you get them to, to join the party as well? Like if you're really going big tent and you're saying, Hey, we'll take anybody. Anybody on the fringes, man, come join the Libertarian Party. Okay, if that's your approach, why focus on just half of the fringe? Don't get me wrong. I don't want those. I don't want Antifa. I don't want Black Lives Matter. I don't want Proud Boys. I don't want Grope. I don't want any of them. But if you're if you're Andrew McCardle and you're saying, let's grow this party by appealing to everyone, why are you only appealing to one half of that equation? Just about every poll I've seen just about every analysis I've seen says that in three-way elections, libertarians draw equally from Republicans and Democrats, equally. There's some myth being popular, you know, and the, and the myth is being um, spread and promulgated by, by the MAGA folks that were it not for the Libertarian Party, libertarians would be voting Republican. And guess what? That is just pure BS. That's pure bullshit. That is not the case. Libertarians take equally from both parties on a national level. I mean, I'm sure if you went state by state, it would vary a little bit. But it's not a rule of thumb to say, hey, if Larry Sharp is not on the ballot in New York, everybody is voting for the Republican candidate running for governor. No. No. Most Libertarians are going to be like me and just stay home. We don't vote. If our candidate is not on the ballot, we're not voting. The lesser of two evils is not a conscientious vote. That is wasting your vote, right? So what's going on? I don't understand what the, what the Libertarian Party is up to under the current leadership. I know I'm being harsh, and I know we started out by talking about the beef between Adrian, Josh, and, and uh, Jonathan, okay? But it's very, very uh, symptomatic. It's, it, it's very much... Uh, 
how I think the Libertarian Party has become dysfunctional once again. I don't understand where we're going here. And by the way, here's where I sound like a conspiracy theorist. I'm 100% convinced that the Mises Caucus either started out with this plan or has become infiltrated uh, in order to execute what I'm about to say, which is I think the Mises Caucus is enabling takeovers in states by MAGA apologists, MAGA sympathizers, and just plain flat out far right wing nationalists. Okay. Now, if you're saying, Hey, for someone who hates conspiracy theories, big John, you just laid a big one on us. Well, not really. Think about it. In 1994 in New York state, I was Oh, yes, I'm old enough to remember it. I'm a Gen Xer old enough to remember this happening live, ladies and gentlemen. In 1994 in New York State, Howard Stern woke up one morning on his radio and said, I want to run for governor because there's way too much traffic uh, on the Long Island Expressway uh, when I leave my palace at home to get to the studios in Manhattan. So he decided to run for governor. Who did he run for governor under which party? The Libertarian Party. Why? Because all he needed was to win two-thirds of the vote at the convention, at the New York uh, State Libertarian Convention. And the Libertarians then, as they do in a lot of states now, allow for same-day registration. And the day you register, even if it's the morning of the convention, you can pay your dues, 25 bucks or whatever it is, and vote that same day. Okay. So what did Howard Stern fans do? They drove to upstate New York, went to some little hotel. There were about 250 of them. That's all they needed. All 250 voted for Howard Stern. That got them two-thirds of the required vote uh, for, the, for their nominee to win. Howard Stern was the official nominee of the Libertarian Party. By the way, if you asked him, he didn't know what the Libertarians were, and he admitted this. He said, I don't know what the party stands for. I'll figure it out later. My position is uh, death penalty, uh, abortion on demand, uh, all government road work to be done uh, overnight. Of course, it didn't matter to him that the cost would double or triple with that sort of position, right? In other words, there was nothing libertarian about him. Other than his dedication to free speech, there was absolutely nothing libertarian about him. But the Libertarian Party was forced to accept him as its candidate and promote him as his candidate. Then, of course, we know uh, four to five months later, you know, he basically he admitted it was all a PR stunt. He dropped out of the race. The libertarians looked as more ridiculous than they usually did in New York State. And the candidate, they scrambled to get the candidate uh, that was originally supposed to have the nomination put him in place. But by that point, it was all a joke. And what did, uh, what did uh, Stern do? He threw his support behind uh, Pataki. And there's reason to believe that it was that support that um, got Pataki the election, right? So anyway, my point being is the infiltration of a libertarian party, a big one like the one in New York State, was easily accomplished by a clown who, it, for all intents and purposes, stated, I'm going to take over this party as a goof, as a self-promotion goof. So when you think about it, my sort of these waves of me seeing what I think is is like a conspiracy theory, uh, an infiltration of the Libertarian Party 
by nationalists and far right uh, nationalists and 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 really people that for the most part don't seem to align with libertarian philosophy and politics, right? It's not that far off. It's happened before. My own little anecdote is here in my uh, in my town. Uh, I decided to go ahead and visit uh, the the town LP uh, uh, meetings, you know, once or twice. And by the way, for those of you that don't know, I abhor politics. I, I don't get involved in state races. I don't get involved in local races. I couldn't care less who's running for dog catcher or school board. I don't care. I, I will vote. I will try to be informed on the issues. But when it comes to helping elect people, never set foot in, not my interest, never dreamt of running for off, none of that stuff. I hate politics. Other than as an intellectual exercise, I hate politics. But I said, let me go there to see what's going on. Well, you know, the the entire local party consisted of, of, I think, half a dozen people. Okay. When I started asking some questions in conversation, very politely questions, uh, you find out that the local chair is actually the vice chair of the Oath Keeper section in this area. Right. So he splits time between both parties. And in talking to him, he's more of the oath keeper type than he is of a libertarian. Right. Same thing with some other libertarians. One of them was a member of the Proud Boys. Okay. And you start to wonder, like, okay, what do you, don't you guys have your own club to go play with? Why are you here? The one reason, right? Because they, they want to make sure that the Libertarian Party here aligns with right wing positions, right wing thought, and right wing candidates. That's the only reason that's happening. When I was talking to Larry Sharp about this, he said, you know, I never gave it much thought, but you're probably right because the Libertarian Party always seems to attract, not always, generally seems to attract the disaffected. So you're always going to get the, the disaffected folks from the party that's not in power. And right now, that's the, the MAGA people. That's the, that's the right wing. That's the Republicans. They're not in power especially when it comes to the White House and the Senate, they want that back. So you're going to start getting these waves of people who are joining local LPs and, and, and who will try to convince you not to waste your vote on Chase Oliver, not to waste your vote on Mike Recknanwald, not to waste your vote on um, Mike Termott. And, and they'll say, well, you know what? Um, this is too important. And in your blank state, uh, Go ahead and vote for Trump. You know, like he he's anti-war. He didn't start any new wars, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Let's not do that. Okay. So anyway, that's what has me sort of uh, hot and bothered this week. And um, I really do hope, I, I do think it was a missed opportunity for Adrian, Josh, and uh, Josh Andor Jonathan to come on the show, talk about the issues, add some transparency to all this. Because again, like I said, the, the, the thing that sort of gnaws at me is all three of those guys are good people. They're nice people. They're civilized people, at least in their interactions with me. And it's a shame. It's a shame that the two caucuses, the, my, the Mises caucus and the liberal uh, the classical liberal caucus can't work together and achieve great things as opposed to, battling each other and here the libertarian party is again we're going to not have 
uh, any sort of meaningful impact on this race. You know, it was interesting on Twitter uh, after the 2020 election, um, there was this angry MAGA guy and, you know, he sent me a tweet saying, I hope you're satisfied. Uh, you effing libertarians cost Trump the presidency because that libertarian vote beat the spread in six swing states. And if you guys had just done what you're supposed to and voted for Trump, he'd be president now and not sleepy Joe Biden. Nothing made me happier than reading that tweet. Nothing made me happier because my response to him is, A, I don't know that I cost Trump, that libertarians cost Trump the election, because again, it's 50-50. You can't make that assumption. And B, if I if libertarians did in fact cost Trump the election, yay libertarians. You don't deserve my vote by default. What kind of bullshit is that? You don't deserve our vote. You don't deserve the libertarian vote. We're not just... The Libertarian Party doesn't exist to catch votes when you're when the Republican candidate is winning in a landslide. That's not our purpose as a Libertarian, and it shouldn't be our purpose as a Libertarian Party. We're here, if we can't win elections, we're here to stick to our guns and to educate people about the benefits of liberty and the benefits of individualism, the benefits of civil rights, the benefits of, of sound money, the benefits of unregulated economies, the benefits of international trade, not to support some, 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 pardon me, I almost let an F-bomb slip, but we're not here to support some idiot Republican who thinks that tariffs encourage trade, who, think that, who thinks that inflation is the result of greedy business owners. That's not that there's nothing libertarian about that. So can we please stop? That's all I'm saying. Andrea McArdle, I know you don't listen to me because you have me blocked on Twitter. Maybe Adrian can talk to you. I don't care. You want to you want to snap back at me. You want to yell back at me. That's fine. Uh, Adrian, Jonathan and uh, Joshua, I hope you guys feel I accurately represented you in this beef. And I really hope that you understand. I love all three of you. I respect all three of you. I just, it, it is my, uh, my, uh, my big wish that the three of you can come on this show. A, cause it'll help, it'll help me out with some, with some views. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to lie. There's, I have a self-interest in inviting you guys out, but, but for some greater good to say, Hey guys, come on, let's be transparent about this. Let's be, let's have a civil discussion and get to the bottom of what is going on here. Right, because it is a little weird to me. I'll, I'll admit to 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 Adrian. It's weird to me to see RFK invited there, and yet not see a Chase Oliver there. It seems weird to me, and you may have a legitimate reason for for there there, there may be a legitimate reason why Chase Oliver is not represented on that panel, right? But I find it funny that no one is telling us what that reason is. I find it funny that the Mises caucus did not congratulate Chase Oliver on his Iowa caucus victory, right? He won big. He got 41% of the Libertarian caucus. Why, why no congratulatory tweet, right? You may have good reason for this. I just, I'm, I'm asking the question, why? What is the reason? Help me understand. Help me get behind whatever your plan is. 
I will take no satisfaction if the Mises caucus fails to grow the Libertarian Party. I, I, I get no, I derive no joy from that. But I can't not speak out about it. I can't not say, hey, what the hell is going on here? Okay. That's it. That's my rant for this week. Hopefully some of this made sense, but if it didn't, please feel free to leave a comment. Feel free to hit me up. I'm at big John underscore SXM on Twitter, big John underscore SXM on Twitter. Uh, in general, you could also find us at our uh, company account on Twitter at grumblings media. You can find us on YouTube, rumble, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, gab, any platform you can think of, we're there at Grumblings Media. Feel free to uh, clap back at me. Get, let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. I mean, one day, hopefully, we'll get this up as a live stream. Uh, we're, we're inching our way there, folks. Be patient with us. We'll be there live, and you guys can abuse me uh, live. That's okay. I'm a big boy. I can take it. But literally, I really think it is something that, as libertarians, we really need to address. We really need to to like not be like the two parties the two status parties, the duopoly, the people we rail against, we can't be like them. We can't have, uh, we can't be opaque in our dealings, right? For every libertarian that that takes up the, the banner of free Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, right? All these guys, you know, if, if they were okay exposing the secrets of the U.S. government, it really shouldn't be, it should be a no-brainer for you to tell Angela McArdle, hey, no secrets, for the libertarian uh, leadership, no secrets by the Mises caucus, expose all that stuff for everybody to understand and for everybody to know what's going on. Okay. That's all I'm saying. All right, everyone until next time, this has been big John. Don't forget to check us out on grumblingsmedia.com. Check out our back uh, episodes of free for all until next time. Peace out everyone. 